This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about structured settlements from Ringler Associates, the first name in structured settlements, helping injured people and their families since 1975. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by Allstate, American General, John Hancock, Liberty Mutual, MetLife, Mutual of Omaha, New York Life, Pacific Life, and Prudential. Now join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen. Well, hello and welcome to Ringler Radio, everyone. I'm Larry Cohen, the head of Ringler Associates Northeast Operations, and we're certainly glad you could join us again today. Well, a special needs trust is designed to financially support and provide for a disabled individual, providing many benefits to the individual, along with long-term financial stability, while still preserving valuable governmental benefits. Today on Ringler Radio, we're going to talk about special needs trusts, the process of setting up a trust, and when an individual should consider setting up a trust, and importantly, the difference between an individual special needs trust and something else called a pooled special needs trust. And joining me today to help me in this discussion is my colleague and my co-host, Mike Z, who's the Ringler Associate in the Newport Beach office of Ringler. He's been there uh, since 1996, and he's been the managing associate for the Costa Mesa office of Ringler uh, since 2007. Prior to joining Ringler, Mike was the Special Products Liability Claims Coordinator for the Western U- U.S. at Home Insurance. He worked in the insurance claims arena from 1983 through 1996. That's quite a background. Welcome, Mike, to Ringler Radio. Hey, good morning, Larry. Good to talk to you. And our special guest today is Will Lindahl. Will is the National Enrollment Director for CPT Special Needs Trust and is a California licensed professional fiduciary with uh, over 25 years of experience meeting the needs of the disabled. He's developed pool trust programs nationwide and online trust administration systems. He's also spoken nationally on trust administration, Medicare, and Medicaid fraud. So uh, with all of that, Will, welcome to Ringler Radio. Glad to have you with us. Thank you, Larry. Great. Well, Will, let's begin uh, by discussing CPT and the history of the program, which uh, I understand was established in 1997. Tell us about it. Yeah, CPT is a national nonprofit trustee. We're also a 501c3 tax-exempt organization. And we were established in 1997. Um, We used to be in uh, 19 states. We're now primarily in five because you need a certain volume to be a nonprofit trustee. Currently, we serve California, Ohio, Arizona, and Florida. Terrific. Well, CPT essentially helps protect a person's eligibility for public assistance programs and allows them to access funds from a special needs trust. So CPT acts as a nonprofit trustee of a special needs trust? Yeah, the primary difference is that uh, we're allowed to charge a much, much lower fee. I mean, most of the cases that we hold, for example, that are structured, um, the client pays an annual minimum fee of $1,200 to $1,800 a year, and that's a fraction of what a traditional corporate trustee or bank would charge. Interesting. Hey, um, Will, let's talk about the CPT and, and how it works. Walk us through their involvement in the process of setting up a special needs trust, and who in particular needs special planning? Well, the, the, the most significant thing about using um, a uh, pooled special needs trust provider like CPT 
is that we're an automated provider. We have master trust instruments that are utilized that are state-specific. So you have hundreds of clients joining one trust instrument. So uh, from the structured world perspective or, or trust and estate planning, the person can directly enroll in the trust themselves, and it's a very automated process. For example, there's only four steps to setting up the trust, and the only clients that we can help are the same with any type of special needs trust. If the client is on Medi-Cal and or SSI, a special needs trust, individual or pooled, will protect their government benefits. What are those four steps you mentioned just now to uh, set it up? Well, the, we use an automated online website to submit the case. So the first step is somebody submits a trust application online. It's literally one page. Mm-hmm. The bottom half of the page application is just who gets the money after the state lien's been paid. Mm-hmm. Once that's submitted, within two to three business days, we email the trust documents directly to the disabled individual, the structured settlement broker, and the attorney if there's one involved. And literally, they sign up that step one. Step two is they send the signed trust documents back to us, and we give them notice of where they're going to fund the trust. Well, step two is executing the trust instrument itself. Step three is you fund it. And the last step is state agency notification. We actually send a letter to the appropriate party that they send to the state agency to prove they've appropriately um, uh, set up a trust to hold their assets so they keep their government benefits. Terrific. Well, when does an individual need to consider setting up a special needs trust? Only the biggest... The 90% of the time, the individual must be, well, first of all, there's two litmus tests for all special needs trusts. It doesn't matter what type of special needs trust it is. You first must be totally and permanently disabled. Now, that's not by a workers' comp definition. It's totally and permanently disabled according to the Social Security Administrations of Disabled. So they cannot be able to work. So there's a lot of people who are on public benefits because of poverty. Those people can't use a special needs trust, even if they're on um, government benefits. You have to be disabled first. The second thing is you've got to be eligible for Medi-Cal and or SSI, supplemental security income. Medi-Cal in California, anywhere else in the country, it's Medicaid, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah, terrific. Well, well, help me with uh, one thing about what we're talking about here. Let's say you had a small child uh, living in, a, in an apartment and lead paint uh, has, a, you know, affected that individual. And he's on uh, SSI and they're on Medicaid. Uh, are you saying that that child needs to be in some fashion designated as permanently disabled and not just uh, affected by the by the lead paint in order to create a special needs trust to protect the future Medicaid payments to that individual once the settlement occurs? Yeah, they actually have to be considered disabled. It can't be a needs, it it can't be um, for economic reasons or an injury that doesn't cause um, a permanent disability. So if it's a, if it's a minor child though, and they're actively on benefits, the special needs trust will work. But the problem is that the disease or condition that the child suffers needs to be something that they anticipate even after the age of 18, they would still be totally and permanently disabled. That's the only time you're using special needs trusts. Right. And some, so in, in the in the case of the red, lead pain, it would be some kind of a brain dysfunction or some kind of a cognitive problem that would be considered to be permanent in that sense. Yes. Terrific. And the reason this is so important is all special needs trusts are irrevocable. 
I've been doing just the pool trust for 14 years, and I've never seen somebody successfully unravel their special needs trust. Once this is in place, it is permanent. Interesting. Well, what are some of the common questions from uh, the disabled individuals or their family members in regard to the trust that you, you've seen? What are some of those questions? Well, the biggest challenge for anybody that has to use a special needs trust is that you have to actually have a third party being CPT, in this case, pay all your bills. So you've got to tell somebody else to pay your bills. But that's the magic of a special needs trust. A third party holds the assets, so therefore they're not countable to you as an individual. So what you're doing is you're using a nonprofit trustee to pay all your bills for you, and all the assets and money they hold can't be counted against you as a resource. Will, can I ask you, what can uh, a special needs trust pay for? One of the most significant things that is what I call myths in special needs trust that causes a problem is a lot of people think there's a lot of restrictions to special needs trust. That is absolutely not true. For example, if a individual, and this is a difficult, complex um, thing to put on this call, but if you're on supplemental security income, SSI, if you take what's called the PMV reduction, and some people refer to it as a one-third reduction rule, if you're willing to accept one-third, like uh, a third of your SSI taken away, it's not exactly that. It's a presumed maximum value of the maximum SSI. But if a person is willing to take a reduction on their SSI, all the restrictions on the trust don't apply. In other words, you're not supposed to pay for rent, uh, water, electricity, shelter-related um, expenses. But all of those expenses can be paid if the person takes a reduction in their SSI. So again, we also buy houses and cars and send people around the world. Most special needs trusts can be used for almost anything. The biggest restriction of all special needs trusts is that you can only spend the money on the disabled person. You can't spend on other individuals. It can only be used for the sole benefit of the disabled individual. Interesting. And and just to clarify once again, you're talking about in all 50 states that would apply, that issue of uh, if you're able to reduce or willing to reduce your SSI by a third generally, you'll be able to take advantage of, of no restrictions on the on the special needs trusts. Is that, that applies universally in all 50 states? Yeah, that's a that's a that's a federal yeah that's a Social okay. Security Administration rule, but that one third rule it's it's misleading when it says one third. It's actually you have to right. be able to take a hit of the PMV, the presumed maximum value of SSI, which is eight ninety seven minus one third. So if someone's getting six hundred, they're going to lose the one third of eight ninety seven, not one third of six hundred. I hear you. Well, those, those specifics would have to be uh, looked at by each individual in each individual case. But what are the benefits? Uh, what are benefits to setting up a trust? Uh, Will and talk about how that happens uh, to each individual. Is it a, is it a different benefit to separate individuals, or does it universally apply to all? The benefits of a special needs trust are the same for everyone by federal statute. It's called uh, forty two USC thirteen ninety six is the federal statute, and in all fifty states. That statute provides protection for Medi-Cal or Medicaid and SSI, um, and that's anywhere in the United States. But the primary benefit is that those individuals now get wholesale health care. You know, they're going to be on the Medicaid program, which, of course, costs dramatically less. So if you're talking about a settlement, you can imagine how much money you save over the life of a case that's been structured and the person's on Medi-Cal versus paying private pay and the out-of-pocket expenses. 
Exactly. And, and just to clarify once again, how would, how would you define disability when it comes to SSI? What, what's the, the benchmark definition? Well, they have to be totally and permanently disabled and unable to work. The key is unable to work. I am legally blind. I would qualify categorically by the Social Security's definition, but the fact that I'm able to work, I'm ineligible. So it's very important. Your injured party must be totally and permanently disabled and be unable to work. Just because someone's a paraplegic doesn't mean they're disabled by the Social Security Administration. Okay, and, and, and again, coming back to that, if somebody is a paraplegic but able to work in some capacity or someone does have some brain in injury but is able to somehow work in some capacity, your, your opinion is that it's, that individual is not totally disabled and therefore not eligible for a special needs trust? Correct. It's by the Social Security's definition. They can't okay. be able to work. You can't, you can't be able to generate any income. Income is a countable resource. You can never have income. That's the whole reason the structured settlement is put inside of a special needs trust. It's a funding stream. It's only counted as income if it's outside of a special needs trust. If it's inside a special needs trust, it's exempt. Terrific. So what are the similarities and some of the differences between an individual special needs trust and a pooled special needs trust? Can you walk us through that? Sure. There, there's some very stark, stunning um, differences between an individual special needs trust and a pooled special needs trust. For example, um, in an individual special needs trust, you have to have a parent, grandparent, guardian, or the court establish a trust. When you use a nonprofit trustee, you can actually have the disabled individual can establish the trust themselves. Also, on an individual special needs trust, you're doing a one-by-one -one trust. You know, you're doing one trust for one client. In a pooled special needs trust, you have hundreds of people under one master trust, and they join the trust via a joinder. On individual special needs trusts, you can only use them up to age 65. On, an, on a pooled special needs trust, the client can be any age. On an individual special needs trust, you... Um, can't make any, um, you can even make a funding after 65 in a uh, pool trust, but not an individual. And um, I'm trying to think if there's any other changes. Probably cost more than anything else. Individual special needs trusts tend to be more expensive. And if you're using a corporate trustee, they tend to be about five to 10 times more expensive than we are as a pool trust provider. Well, that's an that important, that's the, an important even, even just establishing them from the onset You've got a trust in place versus having to establish one going through probate. You, you save a lot of grief and expense, I would think. Yes, but there is something to keep in mind. If, if um, especially in the structured settlement world, if the client is mentally incapacitated or a minor, it has to be filed in the probate court regardless. Even though a pool trust allows a disabled individual to directly set up their trust, you still have to file through the probate court if the person's mentally incompetent or incapacitated. And those are slightly more expensive um, compared to a, uh, a traditional pooled special needs trust. A traditional pooled special needs trust is a maximum fee of 1%, whereas a um, court-supervised um, pooled trust account that's going through the probate court is 1.5%. Okay, that's good to, good to clarify on that basis. So let's take an example here, Will. Uh, you give one of uh, these examples in, in your uh, informative materials that you also have available. Uh, the example is a 56-year-old man is offered a personal injury settlement of $1.5 million. He is disabled by definition 
and is receiving SSI, SSDI, Medicare, and Medicaid. So his needs include a new wheelchair, a van, some therapy costs, and perhaps a new home. So uh, take that example and work with it for me. Well, whenever someone's what we call um, have multiple, uh, multiple government benefits, all special needs trusts can only protect SSI and Medicaid or Medi-Cal, since I reside in California. But what happens is if somebody has a Medicare set aside and they've got to protect future Medicare's interest, their MSA also has to be put inside of a special needs trust, and then those assets are considered uncountable. So although a special needs trust itself for our client is 56, is going to protect his SSI and his Medicaid, it's also going to protect his Medicare if he has a Medicare set-aside because those assets are also held in trust. SSDI, however, in this particular case, is an entitlement. It is guaranteed. You can win the lottery, and you do not need a special needs trust if you have SSDI by itself. Mm-hmm. So in the special needs trust, if you have both an annuity representing the settlement proceeds and another annuity representing the Medicare set-aside, they could both flow into the special needs trust, but those amounts would be somewhat segregated in your, in your opinion. Well, they, they may or may not be both structured. We prefer that they're structured, but they're both held in trust so that they're considered uncountable. The assets themselves do not, do not end up being countable to the injured party. Good. Okay. How do you facilitate the process for starting your settlement brokers and lawyers? Well, anytime I work with um, attorneys and structured settlement brokers, we try to have a very automated, straightforward process. Uh, A lot of times, the broker themselves will submit the application for the attorney. We will send the documents and materials with instructions to the attorney and the settlement broker. The most important key process, though, is there's a special needs disclosure that explains to the injured party the state and federal rules for all special needs trusts, individual or pooled. And that document must be discussed by the attorney with the injured party. And um, CPT is more than happy to have a representative on site to facilitate that. Um, Outside of that, the process is straightforward. We give specific instructions to the settlement broker and uh, for them to send to the life company to set up the structures correctly. For, for in relationship to feeding the, the trust, the MSA, and paying our annual fees. Well, that's good to hear. And uh, I think a lot of our uh, attorneys and structured settlement brokers are going to be making use of some of this new information. I think that's uh, this, uh, this show, I think, is going to be very helpful to all of them. So let's take a quick break right now. We'll be right back in a minute right here on Ringler Radio with our special guest, Will Lindhall, and my co-host, my Ringler colleague, Mike C. We'll be right back. This is Ringler Radio from Ringler Associates, the leader in the structured settlements profession nationwide. Did you know that Ringler is involved in a third of all structured settlement cases in the country? Ringler Associates works with all the parties in a lawsuit settlement to find the best possible financial solution for the people involved. There's a Ringler Associate in all the major cities of the U.S. No one has more experience than a Ringler Associate. Check out our new website at www.ringlerassociates.com for the best information for claimants, legal professionals, and claims personnel, and to find the Ringler Associate nearest you. When it's your interest at stake in a lawsuit settlement, you want only the best financial plan. 
You can count on Ringler Associates to structure a customized plan that meets the needs of you and your family for the future. Visit RinglerAssociates.com to learn more. Welcome back to Ringler Radio. Glad you could join us. I'm your host, Larry Cohen. And again, I'm joined by my co-host, Mike Z, and our special guest, Will Lindhall, National Enrollment Director for CPT Special Needs Trust. Of course, we're talking about special needs trust and pooled special needs trust, uh, a special expertise of Will. Uh, Will, here at Ringler Radio, we love to hear personal stories. Why don't you provide us with a real-life story of an individual that you may have assisted through the process of a pooled special needs trust? Sure, sure. I personally have helped between five and 600 uh, injured individuals, but some of the most uh, interesting clients are the ones that, you know, you wouldn't expect to be using a pool trust. One of my largest clients I've ever worked with, uh, largest cases, I should say, um, was um, over $60 million, and they still used public benefits, and they still used the pool specialist trust. And the reason they did is, of course, the impact on their cost of healthcare was dramatically less expensive because Medi-Cal is wholesale. But in addition, they could do anything else outside the cost of what Medicaid wasn't going to cover with their own money. We rented them a house on the beach. Um, they traveled all over the world, and they were quadriplegic. So especially these trust pooled or individual doesn't have to restrict the quality of life for the injured party. Well, I have a question with regard to the new Affordable Care Act. Um, and how it'll affect or, or be used in conjunction with special needs trust. Can you met, met, or just answer that or talk about that briefly? Yeah, that could be a separate show in itself, but let's make sure I clarify something. There's been a huge, tremendous change in Medi-Cal and Medicaid effective January 1st, 2014. And effective January 1st, 2014, an individual who's on Medi-Cal only, now, this is only Medi-Cal, no other uh, benefits. They can now take lump sums of cash, and they will not lose their Medi-Cal. There's, there is only an income test for Medi-Cal eligibility now. So that means that if they have an annuity or they have any other income source, they would lose their Medi-Cal, but not if they get a lump sum. But that's a little more complicated because if I get a lump sum, I still gotta, I'm still going to have earnings, and I'm still going to have dividends, so it's a complex, dangerous area if the client has Medi-Cal only. If they have SSI and Medi-Cal, by default, they'll always need a special needs trust, but not necessarily if it's Medi-Cal only. Also, one of the scary things about the Affordable Care Act is a lot of people don't understand, especially in the plaintiff world, that it does not have any provisional coverage for long-term care or in-home support services. So any significantly injured um, uh, plaintiff will not be able to use uh, or buy coverage if they need in-home support services or long-term care. So if they're seriously injured and need in-home support services or long-term care, they're ineligible for traditional health insurance. And people don't realize that. Everybody's under the assumption under ACA that everybody gets coverage. That is not true. One other point about the ACA that's incredibly significant is that you're buying percentages of coverage. So, for example, even if I bought a bronze coverage program, my yearly out-of-pocket can approach thirteen or 14000 and my actual coverage for services provided may only be 60%. So you have to weigh out and be very careful about when it makes the most sense to use the private insurance versus protecting the benefits you already have and, and minimizing or mitigating 
a reduction in your benefit from your settlement. Well, Will, I think uh, your first comment about this question is the real is the real one, and that is we need a separate show on this topic. Uh, it's 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 one that's come up many many times, and I think uh, we're going to benefit from your expertise in that arena, and so we're going to invite you back. I think to talk about that, if you don't mind. Sure. Terrific. Well, this has been a great conversation, uh, Will. We've really appreciated uh, all the information you provided. And uh, you can find out more about Will Lindahl and CPT uh, at www.sntehelp.com. And Will, do you have any final thoughts on uh, where this whole arena of special needs trust is headed? Well, I guarantee you'll see a increase um, utilization in the lower asset cases or cases where there's a vast majority of the cases structured. So we're primarily used when you have a small corpus and a large structure and or um, if people have large settlements, they're not going to necessarily want to protect their benefits if it's millions of dollars involved. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, listen, we're going to uh, close it on that note. And I want to thank you, Will, for joining us again today. Uh, Mike Z, I'd like to also thank you for being a terrific co-host. Uh, Will, if someone wanted to get a hold of you other than that uh, that website, is there a way for them to talk to you? Sure. Our, our 1-800 number is one eight seven seven. Six nine five six four four four, and my extension is eighty nine. Terrific. And Mike, uh, how does somebody get a hold of you? Um, my email mzea at ringlerassociates dot com, or at our toll free number eight seven seven eight nine nine eleven fourteen. Terrific. And of course, you can reach any Ringler Associate by going to ringlerassociates dot com. Our website has uh, lots of information on it, uh, even about special needs trusts and pool trust. And, uh, of course, uh, it's a great resource for all of you to go to. And uh, if you're a first-time listener here, you should also know that every Ringler Radio show, including this one and many, many, many others, can be downloaded from our website, ringlerassociates.com, or from ringlerradio.com, or legaltalknetwork.com. Or you can even go to iTunes. And download it right there on your uh, your iPhone and listen later on uh, at your leisure. So with that, I want to say thanks for listening. Uh, Will and Mike, thank you again for joining us today. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Larry. Terrific. And uh, to all of you out there, go have a great day. Bye-bye. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio with over a million listeners. Ringler Associates, the first name in structured settlements. Visit ringlerassociates.com today. Today.